Thank you. Hi, I say this is the morning podcast with Jacob and Ethan. This is hell. Good morning. Welcome to the Breakfast is Hell podcast. Uh, my name is Jacob Yurok, and this morning I've got with me, dude, I can't pronounce your name, so can you say it for me? William Chiawai. William Chiawai. William, who the fuck are you, and why are you in my apartment? Well, so I am a musician from Sweden who lives in Berlin, and um, two weeks after I got my corona vaccine, I decided to go out on a busking tour, and then one day... I, like two days ago, I arrived in Prague late at night. It started, it was raining, and I was walking down the streets with all my gear. And I saw this, I uh, passed this venue that had music playing. It was a hostel, so I thought to myself, Oh, I'll go in and check it out, see what it is. And on the outside, it was written Kinky Jam or something like that. So I wanted to see what it was. I go in there, I ask it, the. Um, uh, the whole like the lady behind the bar, if there are any availabilities, she said that only for like a thousand check corona, which was too much for me. Wait, she told you, oh, like to work, okay? No, no, to to live, like a, a room. Right, right. I thought I thought you were asking her like to play, and she was going to try to like fleece you for a thousand crowns. No, no, no. The, to play was easy. I just went and signed my name okay. up, and then uh, like that. That was after I had ordered myself a beer and uh, got in a seat and um, then I then I thought oh, okay it's an open mic night why not so then I went up on stage I played a few songs and said hey guys I'm a traveling musician if anybody has a place to put me up for one or two nights I would be eternally grateful and Jacob here he took me in yeah well I uh, I was trying to tell him like you know I did a walk across the south, so it like, of course, I'm gonna, you know, I know what it is to be on the road and need a place to stay. But, I mean, it was a great, it was a great freaking, uh, it was a great hustle because it's a great idea. Go to a foreign town, just find an open mic, and then have that be part of your set. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. like, I need a place to stay. Does anyone have a place? Because someone's gonna give you one. Like someone in that room, as long as it's decently full. With a little bit of luck, yeah, for sure. You think a little bit of luck? You don't yeah. think it's a given? You cannot take anything for granted. Okay. Now I knew a guy. Um, I knew a guy whose brother hitchhiked across the country, and what he would do is uh, he would go to bars mm-hmm. and he would try to pick up women, and that is how he would uh, find places to stay. Yeah. So he was exploring the country, and then he would go to a bar, and if he could pick somebody up, that would be his place for the night. And if not, he would just have to keep walking or something. I always thought that was pretty brilliant, but. Yeah, you were good, and I was at the open mic, um, run by Morpheus, run by Mad Art, Morpheus Spanos, mm-hmm. I think is his last name, I don't know, but he's a producer in town, so mm-hmm. it's a good scene, that's a good, I like a good, I like an open mic that feels like intimate, and that kind of has that, I don't know, some open mics have this feeling of, I don't like dudes who just like are in their feelings playing their guitar, and that open mic had more of a has more of a feeling of like let's make music let's have a good time yeah so what do you think of Prague Prague is um I cannot really say much about it I mean it's an interesting city the I I tried busking here I mean 
is beautiful. It has nice architecture. It's uh, very hilly. I did not expect that coming from Berlin. And um, then the busking uh, scene is very strange, where you every even hour you have to be on one side, and on the uneven hour you have to be on the other side. And well, until you've gotten a hang of it, it, it's very difficult to get into it. Like you realize, like holy shit, I am in a uh, like now my set is over should I try to get to the other side or should I try to stay on this side and take a one hour break because you do not know if because if you try to run to the other side you will only have like a half an hour 30 minute set so it will not really play in your favor necessarily and if you stay you will waste an hour of your day if you want to make money yeah yeah now did you get any good places last night from them that where you should go today or they give you any suggestions Morpheus um, and Anna and them what what do you mean? Like um, any any new places to try? Did they have any? No, I didn't uh, ask. I didn't ask. I'm leaving town today, so I am no. Um, You're resigned to not making money. Yeah, I don't like okay. m- money is not the main uh, point here for me. Like I've I've never really made money off busking. Like maybe a handful of uh, euros and such, but because I play many originals, because. I my vo- music fits better with a band, and now I'm traveling solo. I am not really um, expecting to make money. What I'm really on this tour to do, like doing on this tour, is I am tying the knots with uh, new people, so that when I have a like I have a band back in Berlin, so then when I I take them on the road, we have places to stay. I know that at least somebody from who I met here in Prague might show up to a gig we throw, and maybe even. We'll play at this uh, bard hostel that um, where I had open my where the open mic night was. I asked the bar lady Mackenzie about possibilities, and she said, "Yeah, sure. Like, let's keep in touch and communicate yeah. about it." No, that's that's wise. It's smart. It's kind of like with this podcast. Like, I honestly, the biggest uh, motivator for me, this, well, not the biggest motivator to start it, but. The most practical reason to have it is I enjoy doing it, one, but I write, and it's going to be super hard once I have enough stuff for a book and I have enough publishing credits to try to get a book published. Mm-hmm. But if I can go and say, hey, I have this social media following, I have this, these people who listen to, my, listen to me talk about random stuff every few weeks, it's going to be a lot easier to sell my book. And it's kind of a debate that I was actually didn't really even turn into a debate that I think you were even there for on uh, Tuesday when I was talking to Morpheus because I was, we were talking about how like there's always a business side to art and as much as like you don't want to have to deal with it and as much as it might make you feel a little dirty, like there is a business side. And if, Mm -hmm. if you are living without focusing on the business side, then you're just kind of lying to yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah. I get what you mean. Like, you have to make connections, you have to have people, you have to eat, like, you have to make enough to live. For sure. Yeah. Um, so, coming from Berlin, you have had uh, very kind things to say about Berlin town since you've been here. And mm. I say that with a lot of sarcasm. It's an interesting city, very interesting. It's very big, which makes it, um, well, big in size. So, yeah. and that really affects so many aspects of being a musician in the city. So the, all the the city has several different boroughs, and every borough has different busking rules. So busking is not easy there, and uh, dragging your gear on the train and like no not knowing how good it will go on the train ride, anywhere would be like thirty minutes, forty five minutes. So 
it is more of a hustle, much more of a hustle. Even though artists like Alice Phoebe Lou made it there, everybody wants to be Alice Phoebe Lou, but it's very, very few who make it past the street level if they busk. Well, in that world, too, it's like it doesn't matter what you do. If there's a lot of drinking and drugs involved, like mm -hmm. it's hard to stay motivated, especially with the drinking. Like, I how do I put this? Like, you got to put in the work, but like. I think uh, you even said, like, Berlin is where young people go to retire. Like, there's just, yeah. there's almost too many good times to be had, you know? It, it makes it makes it hard to, like, keep focused and keep, yeah. Mm -hmm. Am I wrong there? You know what I, you like, know what I mean? There, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, you, I, I did, uh, like, when it comes to, like, drinking and uh, doing drugs, it is uh, very, a very decadent city. Yeah. And, uh, like, to get any drug, you just go on Telegram and you... Uh, there, are, yeah. there are many groups where you can just say, okay, I want this, and then some guy will come and drive it and deliver it to your door. And um, it makes for a dynamic where you might be out one night, you might meet your band members or, like, people who are like, yeah, sure, let's do a project together. And then one day it doesn't, um, like, it doesn't work out. Like, for instance, my, uh, a very good friend of mine, she had a. Uh, she was gonna shoot her graduation video because she was studying at the Met Film Institute or something like that, and um, so she had found this dancer, right? And when on the day of shooting, she and her colleague met the dancer who had, was high on. They did not know what. This guy got a psychosis. He started screaming, and they had mm. to put him into an ambulance and drive him away. And uh, I met her later on, and she was visibly shaken by the whole ordeal. And uh, the only thing she wanted to do was to film a dancer. And all of a sudden, she uh, is in a situation where she has to kind of get a person away, her dancer away, in a in an ambulance. Yeah, yeah. And I don't mean like drugs are necessarily bad, like in and of themselves. It's just. It feels like the culture of Berlin is like, well, it's Tuesday. I guess I'll drop some MDMA. And then it's like, I don't know that that's a I, – I, I couldn't work like that. I couldn't stay productive. I would wake up the next day and be like, oh, all right, I'll, I'll play tomorrow. And then every day becomes tomorrow, and then you know, you mm -hmm. just never actually work. But you were saying the mood in Berlin has kind of changed in recent years. Like it's gotten kind of uh, more cynical. You know, like the like what I what I feel is like a really after leaving Berlin because I'm sensitive to other people's moods. Uh, so uh, there are many small things like you have the gentrification, like ever, and people like people who want to live in really cheap apartments are getting driven out and further out of the city, and rent is rising. The people of Berlin tried to create a rent cap, uh, um, yeah, rent control more or less, but. Then the lobbyists for the um, landowners, they made, they said they went to the politicians, and the politicians said, "No, this is unconstitutional." So then there was this big situation where, okay, so they they put a they put a rent cap, and the rent cap was for one and a half years. And now after the rent cap was lifted, the people who lives in the apartments have to pay back the money that they would have had paid. Oh, really? Yeah. So they, really, so after the rent cap is lifted, well, nobody has that kind of money. Like, people are living, people are spending. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. It's not good if you're living paycheck to paycheck. So they're, like, there are all these, like, small little things where, 
like that makes the life more stressful. It's a big city, and then also it's a very high competition for finding apartments. So you, if you are living in a rental, a sublet for, and you're, you have to move out in a month. It's a very stressful time. You cannot spend your time hanging out with your friends, even if you want to. So, yeah, Berlin's almost too cool for its own good. You know, too many people want to go there. Yeah, now now it's uh, like I think it's really gotten that way. And but now after Corona started, all everything that made the city fun kind of disappeared. So then you have all this, all, but the stresses did not disappear. So you still have the rent uh, situation and uh, like issue that the city is big and then also during the winters is very gray and now on top of that you can't even go to a bar during the winter and have a beer because it's too uh, like because of corona yeah yeah so like uh, the the mood has been very negative uh, like many people in berlin are pretty uh, depressed i think oh dude i have made this point a number of times since i've been back to prague Mm-hmm. But I'm so glad I got out of Prague last winter, and I'm glad I got out of Europe last winter, because everybody is fucking depressed. They've all gone a little bit crazy. Everybody's everybody's wearing a little bit different clothes. Everybody's grown out a beard. Everybody seems a little bit more nervous. Like it has it has taken a toll on everyone. It is For sure. It's I from when I was here last October to now July 2021. It's like you can definitely just see the effect, and <coughs> I mean. I don't know. I don't know why more people didn't get out. I guess I'm lucky in that I have a different country to go to, but it's like I'd rather get sick and go to a bar and not lose my freaking mind than I don't know. It's, it, it, it was hard. It was hard, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And I they can't do it again, right? They won't lock down again. They're, I think that um, what might happen is that they might limit it so that only people who are vaccinated or yeah. – or vaccinated plus uh, testing because now, if you go to Berlin, all over the city there is a map for it where you can get like free quick testing. And uh, so if you want to go into any um, into any uh, shop or bar or restaurant, you are supposed to have a negative test yeah. or you're supposed to be vaccinated. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, we didn't really do that in the states. So I guess in your opinion. Um, did Europe do it right or did the states do it right when it comes to COVID? There, in this case, there is no right. Or There's no right. Wrong. It's just all making the best of a bad. Like, I think that if you are in a, in the situation in the seat of any politician in any country now, you have to make the decision like kill the like may add restrictions and kill the economy and also kill the morality like the morals of the people, but then also. You will also keep the healthcare costs down because you get in Berlin. You get many people also who are like, "Oh, this is all crap! Like this bullshit. They're 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 too tough on us, and they, they we don't need to make it this tough." But then, when you talk to anybody who works in the healthcare, on the other hand, they will say that the bad it's it's been really heavy for them because of the like there are people who still defy the curfew and still go to like small hangouts where there are many people inside. And um, like that, that's probably also an issue that when you are indoors and uh, instead of going to a bar, you just go to your um, friend's place. And uh, so the virus still spreads. It's uh, yeah, it has yeah. to be up to the individual in the end if the virus is going to spread or not. And that's I think the second way, like second winter was tough because of that, because 
people are very time to wake up yeah time to wake <laughs> up my alarm just rang i feel so bad for you dude because i have woken you up what i think yesterday was 6 a.m and today was 7 a.m which is pretty fucking early for somebody who's been busking and, and hanging out with the nightlife so so yeah. these these windows it's like if i shut them this place gets hot as hell because mm-hmm. it's so small and that fridge heats up this place but then that freaking morning sun comes right in through those went uh, right through those panes. It's savage. It doesn't hurt to be an early riser, and then the Adam beggars can't be choosers. Uh, I uh, because literally, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm crashing at your place, man. And, yeah, uh, like I have to go after your clock, and uh, that's yeah. if I wanted to go after my own clock, I could have simply just taken into a hostel, but. I believe it's more personal also to crash with people because you get a chance to um, yeah know them, you know. I can't or, believe they were going to freaking charge you a thousand crowns, though, for a room there. Yeah, but it was... A, That's bullshit. It was a room, and like a private room. Oh, it was a, a private room. Okay. Because the the reason was the the reason for was that the dorms, they did not have any dorms because of corona, so only private rooms were available. Oh, I wonder if that's the case everywhere then. Not necessarily. I think that I, I had uh, made like a booking, like um, a reservation for a hostel where I was actually on my way when I went to stumbled into the open mic night. And uh, there I had a bunk bed in a cellar. And I thought, yeah, if I'm going to be uh, out late at night, it might be nice to be in like a dark cavernous room so I can sleep until the middle of the day. But yeah, honestly, my favorite part of hostels is when they got the breakfast buffet. And you go pay like five euro. Like for me, I don't know what that's. It's so sad that that's the best part of staying at a hostel for me. But it's like I go out drinking. I've been, you know, I'm used to cooking my own food. And then mm-hmm. I go to a hostel and here's a fresh breakfast for like, I don't know, the cup, the price of a couple cups of coffee. It's it's beautiful for me. So there's actually one in Berlin I like because of that. Which one? Ah, uh, shit. Is it called Plus? Something to do with Plus? It's not that far from the street where all the clubs are. I'd have to look it up. But, all right. Um, I've been there a couple times. Dude, yeah, the first time I went to Berlin, I had a fucking blast. Like, I just, mm-hmm. I went to a club, and I danced till about 5 a.m., and I was very happy. Uh, but I don't really do, like, MDA or MDMA. So I mm-hmm. kind of learned my second trip. It's like, if you want to go there and, and really hit it hard for a few days, like, if you're just doing it on booze, you can't you can't stay up. Like No, for, yeah. of course not. Berlin is not a city for being inebriated on alcohol, and that's what you notice. Uh, like in other cities, when on a night out you see people really drunkenly stumbling down the street, but in Berlin, people do lots of drugs. But because they don't only drink a lot of alcohol, they do other drugs. They kind of keep themselves in control. Yeah, I would say they're very wired. Like they're very yeah, lots of speed and cocaine. Yeah, and yeah. I think those are the big party drugs, and then of course ecstasy and MDMA. Yeah, but I would say Prague is a beer. Prague's a beer town. I see. I was even talking to a Czech because uh, Czechs are so very reserved. I would say mm-hmm. in day to day life, um, and I think it, it kind of applies to everyone in Central Europe. And so I think when they drink, is when they can start, for lack of a better term, acting like Americans. They can start being really silly. And so, I'll, a lot of times I feel like all it takes is one beer for a Czech to start acting just really, really absurd. Which is which is fun though, mm-hmm. and uh, it's you know it's kind of. It's how everyone stays free. Yeah. And Sweden is a bit similar. I mean, the Swedes tend to be pretty reserved. And uh, as soon as you get a few a drinks... A lot of drinking in Sweden, right? Am what? I wrong? 
It's quite a bit of drinking up there in the Nordic countries. Like the drinking culture in Denmark is different from Sweden. Denmark, I think, is more like a lot of beer and you can drink like any day. But in Sweden, it's like a very... There was a very strong anti-alcohol movement that almost banned out, got alcohol banned. In oh, a really? Vote. Yeah, it was almost, uh, they almost hit 50%. So there was lots of animosity against alcohol because people were drinking so much. So now, like, the social norm in Sweden is Monday to Thursday, no, Sunday to Thursday, you're not supposed to drink. If you just have one beer on one of those days, you're an alcoholic. But you can get as smashed as you want on Friday and Saturday. And that's completely okay. Like, huh. inebriated beyond your um, beyond your own senses. And uh, yeah. nobody will bat an eye because that's what everybody does. But then if somebody comes along and says, you know what, let's hit the joint. Then people will look at you as if you want to do heroin. Really? Yeah, it's, okay. uh, it's bad. Like, the culture against uh, like the 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 culture is very much against any kind of drug and they're not well read at all so you get uh, many people who uh, many misinformed people they're well meaning but they're misinformed and they just do they don't uh, what do you say they just don't uh, like any other drug and they think that all everything that is illegal because the state says it's illegal it must be bad they yeah they yeah. don't think for themselves and uh, it creates a bad dynamic because now for like i don't know if it still is that way now but for a while there sweden had the second highest uh, drug related death rate in all of europe and it's partly because um you get like the when somebody says like maybe we should exchange needles for our heroin junkies there will be people who says we can't do that. Then we signal to the junkies that it's okay to yeah. use drugs, and uh, like it's it's flawed. It's called harm reduction. Right, and, right. Uh, they they have it uh, in Sweden. It's called it's called null vision, like zero vision, and it's not the vision is not zero deaths. It's zero people should use drugs, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's just a utopia, and uh, yeah, that's what also like. It's not a good dynamic for any drug there. I think it's not so healthy in that way. But Well, and I think it's like uh, addiction's complicated, right? Because, sure, there's like a, a physical addiction to things that happens. But, mm -hmm. like, tell me how many people that are addicted to drugs were having a very happy life before they got addicted to drugs. You know, like mm -hmm. very few people got addicted to drugs when they were living their best life. And so there really is like another aspect to it. Um like, for yeah, example, for sure. I was uh, hearing about this study that they um, – if you take mice in cages, right, mm -hmm. and you give them the choice between heroin and food, and they're in, living in cages, like they're packed in cages, and they're like – their lives are bad, right? Yeah. Then – and they're like living solitarily. They're like in a cage by themselves. They will eat so much heroin that they die eventually. Yeah. But if you take mice, give them sun, give them air, give them other mice to play with – give them like a good life. Yeah. They'll still do a little bit of heroin, but they'll actually eat real food and live. Yeah, exactly. So, it's more complicated than just like, oh, this bad substance, da 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 da. da. But I think it's called Rat Park, the big uh the like uh, there there are many different studies, but the one where they realize that okay, if you give the rats other things to do, like 
you put them in the rat park, they will not do as much drugs, and that's completely... Yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, and I mean, I even know for myself, like, when I'm happier, I notice I drink less when I go out. But mm-hmm. if I'm like, even if I'm out with friends and I'm, like, kind of depressed about the day or something, I'll drink more. It's, it's just natural. Mm-hmm. And then I also think it's like, then everybody thinks when, you know, everything illegal is equally bad, which, like, bath salts and meth are bad in a far different sense than, say, psychedelics or marijuana or anything. And people lose a sense of that. And so mm-hmm. I think that's important, too. But I don't know. It's weird. You know, America, we, we look at Europe and we're like, oh, they're so enlightened, da-da-da-da-da. But it is true that I don't – like, Europe is, you know, however many different countries. You can have one place which allows pretty much everything and then another country where drinking on Tuesday is is a sin, so – but I'm trying to think what I know much about Sweden because I met some Swedes at Oktoberfest and they were mm-hmm. awesome. They were just all these rich dudes who, whenever they uh, wanted to travel, they just rented like insanely expensive foreign cars and they would mm-hmm. go to racetracks and just drive like 200 miles an hour, which I don't know what that is in kilometers. Um, and then I knew uh, I know Ingmar Bergman, who's fucking genius. You met him? No, no, I <laughs> wish that would have. He's dead now, isn't he? I think, Sorry. yeah. Uh, the director, yeah, the director, he, he, the freaking brill. My like Persona is probably my favorite movie. So, yeah, I'm sure he's like probably more admired than talked about in Sweden. But personally, I love him. So, yeah, I honestly, I've, I don't think I think I started the movie with the guy playing uh, chess with death. Yeah, the the sista in seglet. I think the Swedish name is. Yeah, we call it the seventh seal in English. Oh right. yeah. yeah. Uh, that one is like the last one I uh, I saw. I, I tried watching it, but it was during the pandemic, and I couldn't focus on a screen. And then I was like, Turn and the also that down. one I wouldn't say is like his most engaging. His most, no. uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of like what a good starter film of his is. Wild Strawberries is like pretty cute. But Wild Strawberries. Right. Wild Strawberries. It's like cute. I don't know. Like it's like a very happy movie. So, mm-hmm. but it's in black and white. But. Yeah, I. Uh, do you feel more connected to Sweden, or do you feel more connected to Germany at this point? Hard to tell. I mean, yeah. uh, for me, uh, I left uh, Sweden. Like, I didn't know why I left Sweden because I I grew up in a multicultural household. My dad is from the Caribbean, and uh, my mom is from the north of Sweden. So I, I always had different cultures, and I also have a, grew up with an American passport. So I. Never in my life thought to myself, I will always live here. I always thought I w- I'm going to get my ass out of here. So then um, when I got to Berlin and lived there, had lived there for a year, I asked myself, why don't I want to go home? And then I thought, realized that here, like not here, but in Berlin, I have, I'm a foreigner. But in Sweden, I was a foreigner, like a second generation immigrant too. Even though I look Swedish and I spoke perfect Swedish or speak perfect Swedish, I I still felt this underlying feeling of being a second generation immigrant, even though like it's it's very subtle. But Swedes have a tendency to like if somebody goes a bit against their culture, they will be a bit more wary. And if you are like, there's a difference if you are a foreigner. If you come from another country and then they will they know that you're a foreigner, so then they will uh, tr- like they will. But when you are supposed to be a Swede. Uh, because you've grown up there, that's when you might like run into more people who feel like um, like this country is racist. 
And um, yeah, the the second gen, the first generation, they're always cool. They're so happy. Oh, this place is so clean, or this yeah. everything works so well. But when you grow up in a system and you're not completely Swedish, like I, I realized when I left Berlin that the majority of all my friends who in Sweden, not Berlin, when you leave Sweden, the majority of my friends were multicultural. Like there were people who had like a mixed background, and Sweden has been very tolerant and uh, like been letting in people from different cultures, but. Sweden still has a very, very strong culture that they, like, they don't brag about it. And that's the interesting thing. They say, like, they don't, they don't say we're the best. They just know we're the best. Like we, and uh, you, you, f you see it because many of the Swedes who come to Berlin, they go back home because they realize, like, Sweden is the kind of, uh, if Sweden would be a parent, it would be the parent who cuts your food before you eat it. Berlin is the one who gives you like gives you the food and uh, tells you to sh sharpen the knife yourself, if when you when it comes to like, stuff like dealing with the bureaucracy. So when what I noticed with the Swedes in Berlin was that I felt like a fish in water, but many of my Swedish friends, they really were like in foreign land and like they don't, they many of them can't really handle it. And, yeah. Uh, well, I, we have this kind of the same thing, too, in Prague. Is a lot of Americans, quite mm -hmm. a few Americans, maybe not a lot, but quite a few of Americans come to Prague, and I would say like nine months, max 12 months, mm -hmm. is about how long they stay here. And it's, I think a lot of them are expecting, I don't, you know, I was even on a phone call with a guy who was trying to get advice about moving to Prague. And he's like, yeah, I think I'll work 20 hours a week, do private students, and then I'll travel whenever I feel like it. Mm -hmm. It was like, dude, you're fucking delusional if you think you can do that. Like, you know, you have to work and then like the currency is not worth anything. So you can work and work and work and then it's still not worth hardly anything in American dollars. So, yeah, I definitely know that that kind of vibe of just like coming across people. But then like they're always it's always a new batch. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, like I don't I cannot uh, back that up with any numbers, but for sure, like uh Berlin is one of the cities where you get many newcomers and uh, every, like the majority of the people you will meet will be people who have moved in. Even the Germans who are open to hanging out are the ones who are, who haven't uh, like, yeah, they, they come from like a small village outside Stuttgart or whatever. Like they, but the Berliners, you rarely meet them. Only if you like date them, that's when you maybe meet the the real Berliners, but they will never really introduce you to their friends. It is a bit of a bubble that they live in, and because they they live a different life, they they've been in the city all their lives, and um, then they have their friends already. They don't have the same need to connect with new people as a newcomer would have. Yeah, it's uh definitely, it's I I my 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 experience has been when you're in a foreign city, it's and coming as a native speaker, it's one other foreigners or two people who really want to learn English. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's just, I would say there's another category and it's the people who have lived abroad. Yeah, definitely. Everybody who has lived abroad knows how it is to be a foreigner. You have the stack of the deck of cards stacked against you all the time. You don't know the bureaucracy. You do not know the standards or what you're supposed to do or what you're not supposed to do. So it will, you will always run into these stumbling blocks. And if you've lived abroad, you have more understanding for the people who are like uh, foreigners. But if you've never lived abroad, you will be tougher on them and you will be less forgiving. 
Yeah, well, I mean, even, you know, I've lived all over the States. I've traveled a bunch. But living in a different country, mm-hmm. it's just a different beast. It's a whole different legal system. It's a whole different way of seeing the world. You know, like Czechs, they don't eat bread hot out of the oven. They mm-hmm. think it's un- unhealthy. Like it's bad for your health, which mm-hmm. is like the tastiest bread to me. But little things like that, you know, it's um, that you kind of have to get used to. And I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, uh, I, it's, I think it's not just them. I think Hungary also believes this, probably other neighboring countries. But they believe if you eat bread hot out of the, bread hot out of the oven, it's unhealthy for you. Um, what are some other fun check things? If you if you get a beer and you start drinking, like let's say you and your mates are getting around, mm-hmm. and you know in the states it's like you get your beer, you start drinking. So maybe this is more a Europe thing, but if you are all getting around, you have to wait for everybody to get their beer and to cheers before you start drinking, or it's very rude. Hmm. It's like it's like uh, it's almost like an insult. Um, yeah. So. That's interesting. And it's little things like that because I think that like when you're from a country, say you are a Czech person, mm-hmm. you know, you don't realize that this is something that only your country does. And mm-hmm. so like you kind of take it as a rule of the world, you know, and then yeah. – and I think probably the same applies for Berliners and people who are, you know, natives and they kind of they, – they take the culture as the way all countries must work. And so they don't really understand that maybe you're just trying to figure out how things work there. Yeah. Yeah. But it sounds like you've had a good time in Berlin. It sounds like overall positive. Like like I like the city. I uh, I, I dig the the size of it and there's a lot to do. And you can get kind of get lost in the city with uh, whatever projects you want to do. And I have many friends there and many people come and go. So you learn to socialize and you see people from so many different cultures and you realize that there are some people you get better along with than others. And, um, like, this is also a thing, like, uh, to make sense of stuff, you might start categorizing people. And that's, like, also kind of a stepping stone to prejudice where you say, okay, these people from this culture are this way and the people from this culture are this way. And some people don't like hearing it, like, because, they, because then it's the, you'll always hear somebody who says, like, no, like, not everybody is that way, but... Uh, yeah, Europe. Europe's got a lot of everyone here's got a lot of stereotypes about people from other countries. Yeah, for like sure. it's, it's how they make sense. I think of because there's so much travel and concourse between the different nations. Mm-hmm. I feel like in order to make sense of it, it's almost like you have to. It's like so. Anyway, where can we find your stuff? Where so you can find my music on uh, Spotify and YouTube. That's under Chiawai. Under just Chiawai. Yeah, like right. if you search for the Chiawai project on YouTube, C H E E dash A W A I, you can uh, find um, you can go uh, you can find uh, my YouTube my songs on Spotify, and then uh, the Chiawai project on YouTube or William Chiawai on YouTube. That's my account. You can check out. I release a music video. I also have my own website that I made, Chiawai dot com, and. Um, that you also find uh, yeah and I'll put links to stuff too yeah, in, the, perfect, in the description perfect. and uh, I don't know is there anything else you wanted to bring up or talk about or say that you were thinking of no I think we've covered a lot actually I am released a music video lately and that's also partly why I'm on uh, on the road to make people aware of that I released a music video I'm always glad to have a guest who I feel like understands I just want to make sure that I'm not going to be late for work but no I'm still good um 
I always appreciate a guest who has a sense of hustle. Like I think we were both talking about how there's a lot of musicians who kind of lack ambition or are so self-conscious that they never like get out and work. And I think, yeah, I, I don't know that like you have to be like so ambitious that like I will kill my mother in order to sell a million records. Like that's not good, of course. Don't kill your mother, folks. But it's like um, people lack ambition, and I think it's I think it's a good thing. Like I think you're on a good path with this. Thank you, man. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Ciao. Ciao.